So you just shared with us how you got into the the program, kind of unintentional. Uh, it, it sounds like your first pursuits helped expose you to what you didn't want to do, which yeah. was being someone's secretary. Um, when you got into the computer science program, especially at that time you talked about being one of 80, did you realize or was there the connotation or awareness that you were going into a man's field or a, a, what was at that time maybe considered a man's career path? I didn't even take that as a consideration. I've always been one of those people who just, I just have, I take a lot of risk and I just thought it was interesting and I ended up being really good at it. Um, so it was difficult and has been the entire career to be the only woman at the table and for years I would act like I was a man. And in the, I'd say in the last 10 years, I've shifted my focus. I did a um, survey when I was working at the um, University of Alabama in Birmingham. I was getting ready to lead the strategic planning initiative for IT, and they'd never had a strategic plan. And I wanted to baseline where we were, so I crafted surveys. And one of the surveys I did was the internal IT staff. What I discovered was we didn't have enough women, and the women that we did have were working for men from other countries who had different ideas about how to treat women. And from then on, I have been a big proponent and out there helping women in IT. I started a program at UAB to do networking for the women that were going into the fields, anything that was computer related, the women who worked in IT in the central IT organization, and then across the university in the decentralized. And about that time, Mattel came out with a Barbie series called the I Can Do Barbie, and they introduced, I think it was their 132nd career for Barbie was a computer engineer and I bought boxes of these things. I wrapped a couple of them up, wrote a proposal, sent it over to the president and she said yes. So those same Barbies now if you go out to eBay and you try to get one, they came in uh, black and white. They're worth like $475 a piece. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's like, but I have really tried to help women, and I have tried to take a look at how I do that because I uh, have this need for high-quality work, and I find that um, sometimes that gets in the way because I expect more of people than they want to maybe deliver. Um, but I've also learned to try to get past the part where women are judged by, you know, the men wear the same suit. They can wear that same suit every day all week long and nobody's going to say anything. But as a female, if you wear something twice in one week, people are going to notice. And if you don't have a whole bunch to pick from, people are going to notice. So try to not judge people that way. And also to give the women the opportunity to 
work on the best projects too where it's not just the guys that get the best projects and and that they get the training too and that you know I've worked around a lot of women who aren't very um, outgoing and don't really have the confidence and we work on that you hang out with me for a while you're gonna have confidence <laughs> she's just gonna have it so. absolutely you know, I want to explore something that you, you said and maybe even take us through your thought process and thought evolution because you said you started out almost acting like a man and, and what that means to you. And then you said over time you realized and what kind of was that pivotal point and now, you know, acting more like a woman or a female, or acting as yourself. Right. So tell, tell me what your thought process Well, I think because I've been in the field so long, you really had to act like a man. To survive, you couldn't be the emotional one. You couldn't be the sickly one. You, you know, things were different, and you had to worry about if you went off on maternity leave, if you were going to have a job when you came back. And it was just so different. You were judged so harshly, so much different than the guys. You had to work many times harder than the men did, and you had to deliver high quality constantly. Um, to stay in the same game with somebody who may or may not be delivering quality. One of the things that <laughs> I think now is that especially women who are single mothers, they do more before they come to work than some people do all day long. So, you, you know, women are perfect for this field because they have to think ahead constantly and, and just in their normal business or in their normal day you know they're having to think about what are we going to have for dinner tonight what are the kids wearing to school tomorrow what kind of activities do I have to do after school which um, P, um, PTO or PTA meetings do I have to go to what are the sports that are going on and they're doing that and working so you know they just have these different organizational skills Absolutely, absolutely. Can you think of a time where, and maybe one of each, where you feel like maybe being a woman worked to your advantage, and or can you do you can you you know define a uh, situation where you know that being a woman, someone used that against you? I think um, I, I would tell you what I've always told the women, even in the early days, is use what you got. So um, I, I would say that being female can be an advantage. I mean, it, you have a different perspective. You have to hop in there and get in the game, though, because men have a tendency, part of their skills is they talk on top of each other. They cut each other off. And if you do it, you're viewed as aggressive, where that's just their style. So I think it's important for you to hang out with them, to have friendships with them, and never cross the line. I like to, you know, a lot of people will date people where they work. Never date anybody where you work. It's, <laughs> especially the higher you go, it, it's not a good scenario. So I think it's incredibly important to think about those kind of things. Having um, my sex used against me I'm sure that's happened but I you know 
I know that when I was interviewing before I took this job, I would interview and be the only female interviewed. And I'm thinking, are they just wanting a female to interview so they could say they interviewed one? It got a little frustrating, uh, but I think it's important to just recognize that we are different and to always look professional and to always act professional, have fun, but act professional and don't poo-poo where you eat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and, and speaking of which, we we touched upon that you're soft-spoken. And so maybe some people see that as being vulnerable or that type of thing. But um, how do you, again, because you talked about how men cut each other off, can be aggressive, demonstrative, you know, they say what's on their mind. Um, how, How have you dealt with that? I am soft-spoken, but I am very direct. I'm from Oklahoma. I'm very direct. You know, Midwesterners, people over there, they're direct. They're honest. They expect and hope other people will be direct and honest, and that's not always the case, but I don't let people run over me. I just... um, I get my my word in, too, Uh, but I will say that, you know, I try to make sure that if I'm angry, I don't respond. I just shut down. I'll go quiet because I'm not going to say something that you can't take back. It's the same thing as if you get a really nasty email, you never respond until you've had time to step back and think about it because you really, you know, you're not going to make it any better by doing it. Right, exactly. So. Well, talk us through the day in the life of a CIO. You talked about that you've been a CIO very early on in your career and and maybe how that's even evolved in the different positions. I think a day here at at the county is very hectic and very busy. I um, end up meeting with vendors. We've been perceived as a closed shop, so when I joined them, I opened the doors and would meet with a lot of vendors during the day. I also did things like sponsor vendor uh, days so that they could come and get on the RFP list, so we really opened the doors. Um, I spend a lot of time doing strategy and looking at the big picture and working on how to improve the county. I'm, I'm kind of like a turn turnaround specialist, so you come in, you take a, a look and spend time understanding current state, understand where they want to go, and then come up with a roadmap of how to get there. You can't change too much too fast. You have to, you know, people can only take so much, and so getting them on board, building the relationships, takes a lot of time. So I spend a lot of time meeting with people and getting to know them. I also spend a lot of evenings in activities, either being a speaker or on a panel or um, attending technology activities here in Atlanta. I'm very, very active on a lot of boards and I'm a real busy lady. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it sounds like you take your the community and giving back very seriously so it's not only that you've attained you know this level of success but you're giving back well i want to prepare the next level of leaders and and that doesn't mean the next person that's under me that's going to succeed me that means you know mentoring 
the students from Georgia State through the Robinson School of Business, um, mentoring people that work inside the organization or out. I've had people approach me and say, will you mentor me? And I'm like, you really want me? <laughs> but I have done a lot of that so I do give a lot back and I do spend time if you tell me you need help because you're looking for a job can I help you I might not have anything for you but I'll go through my network which I'm a world-class networker okay and I will help you if I can I really am world-class and one thing about Atlanta I never had executive girlfriends before because you know I was the only woman at the table here it's just different. I have all these friends that are female that are executives. I love that. Like last <laughs> night, having dinner with a bunch of executives, it's it's very different. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Having your peers and yeah. a support group. Let me, I'm going to do okay. a camera check just real quick. I'm going to have a drink. I hope this is helping you. This is awesome, yes. I feel kind of goofy. Oh, no, no, no. Um, let me ask you about, um, there, there's a couple of different directions I want to go. One is, is that you have a very diverse staff. Yes. And talk about as a hiring manager, um, is, was it something intentional? How do you, because whites, others have such a hard time doing that for some reason. They think that, it's, you know, you, you can find, you, like you said, there's one or two, but I, I looked at, you know, pictures of yourself and I love the variety, not just, you know, one or two or uh, of certain group, but across the board. What, which, how does that I, happen I for think you? that Fulton County was very, has, is very diverse. Atlanta's very diverse, which means that you can attract diversity here. Um, I think personally I just try to make everybody feel like they're part of the team and that there aren't to me I mean, Justina was telling me this morning that she wore purple because purple hides the scar on her face I didn't know she had one so I'm just <laughs> you know I just I don't know how to explain it yeah but it, it sounds like, like you just see people as individuals, yeah. and that comes across. Everybody brings something different to the table. Um, I've worked in places where we had people who were blind that worked on the team, and and you ask him his background, and he says, well, Sally, I started out in audio-visual repairing projectors, and I'm thinking, how did you do that? But um, we've always, I've always worked where we had a lot of diversity, and not just color or ethnicity or, uh, or international. I mean, every kind of diversity thing you can think of. So, Does it ever become a challenge? You know, the, the different, I mean, like anything when you're trying to get uh, different people and personalities, we talked about behavior types. So, does the, you know, now mixing in that different cultures and, and backgrounds? I think mixing the cultures and the back backgrounds is fantastic because it brings takes away the group think kind of work and it makes um, I think that they've proven that having a diverse workforce uh, McKinsey did a study and you're m much more profitable if you have a diverse work workforce so I think it's really important that everybody have the opportunity to really bloom 
you know, you got to bloom where you're planted. <laughs> um, exactly. You know, um, thinking about the young ladies that are coming along now, I think that, you know, one of the biggest concerns is that uh, young women aren't going into technical fields or into IT and seeing technology. You know, some people say it's not sexy enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so what's your message message to the young women and or what you observe? You know, do you have areas of concern uh, about us, you know, going backwards as far as progress and getting women um, you know, into positions like yours? I think that we have a problem in that there's a disconnect between what industry needs, what the kids are exposed to when they're like in the fifth grade. They don't know what the career possibilities are in the STEM programs. They don't even know what IT is. After joining Fulton County, Commissioner Garner was was hosting a emerging leaders conference for uh, the top students out of South Fulton County, and she invited me to guest speak. And they wanted um, you to talk to these high school kids about how to become a CIO. And I think I did eight sessions of 13 minutes with different kids mm -hmm. and what I discovered was they don't know what IT is. They know what it is to have their smartphone and the programs on their phone but they really don't know that there's a disconnect of, of what are the, the opportunities. Now with my own child <laughs> I'm like I would really like you to go into my field and she's like Meow. so I stopped and I got one of my colleagues to talk to her and then she ended up minoring in the field. I was, I'm on a uh, governor's task force for um, getting more people into IT. I attended the first meeting yesterday and um, there were other colleagues, other CIOs at the table going, I really want my daughters to go into the field but when I talk to them they say, Daddy this is boring and, and I thought, hmm, you let me talk to your kids, you know, because it really takes an outsider. Your mom or your daddy's not going to be able to help you as much as somebody from the outside can. So um, I think it's important for us to do FaceTime in front of the younger kids. That's uh, Lashika Ellsbury, uh, who works for me, ended up going over to Sandy Springs and doing that last Friday in front of the fifth graders. So. Yeah, it's, it's there. It's just connecting. Exactly. And and you hit upon, you know, one of the, the things that we hear a lot. So you hear it as well. But, you know, uh, there's the perception. There's the um, uh, thought process that it's boring. The thought process that you use all this math or have to use all of the, the, the math. But those of us, uh, you know, and, and how you were describing your role um, and even you know, starting out as a business analyst and that type of thing. It's about being a change agent. It's about problem solving. Um, you know, and it's about being creative, finding creative ways for solutions and, and leveraging machines to help you with these solutions. Um, and so a lot of people don't see that part of it. Like, did, for, for yourself, was there ever a time where you thought that a turning point that you might get out of IT? Was it or what, what kept you in IT? 
I was working for a Fortune 100 company, and I had been leading the SAP um, implementation for the company for 144 locations across the United States and Canada. And when I came off that project, I had an option of going and being a capital buyer at one of the mills, or I could go to another mill and do IT and process control. And there was no contest. I was going to the IT side. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, for a while I was at a Dixie Cup plant and I was responsible for IT, but I was also responsible for the storeroom and the capital buying. And, and um, it was fun, but unless I can change things and make things better, I'm not happy. So I have to constantly be building or improving. I'm, I'm not one of those who could just go into a field that's kind of stagnant mm -hmm. and just stay there. Absolutely. Let's talk about um, your role models. Who were some of your role models or coaches along the way? You know, I still have my original role model. It's the guy who taught me how to program. He's 92 years old and he stays in touch. He's learned how to email. He's tried to do LinkedIn and he tries to do uh, Facebook, but you know, he's 92 years old. Um, he is my role model. He taught me not only how to program, but he taught me how to maneuver and be not so direct, because I am really direct. You don't have to worry where you stand with me. I'm very direct. And uh, he taught me to soften it a little bit. So he's my one of my role models. My mother was one of my role models. Uh, she always had to work because my father was a brittle diabetic. And um, she always made sure that you were um, self-providing, you know, that you could take care of yourself. So um, she was one of my role models. And, and so are all my brothers and sisters, and there's a bunch of us. <laughs> one, of, one of my sisters, Kay, is my oldest sister. She taught me that education was the only thing that nobody could take away from you and to get as much as you possibly could. And I, I did what she said. And uh, I don't get to see her very often, but um, she made a huge difference. They all did. But. That is awesome. So I, I think because my, my last question uh, was, you know, do you have a, a particular quote you like? But I, I know I'm going to use that one for sure. Education is uh, something no one can take away from you. But do you have any other quotes or is there a, a, a book that, that even a, maybe a book that you've read recently? Um, I, I would highly recommend James Dallas's book. I don't know if you've met James, but James was the um, CIO for Georgia Pacific. This is James's new book. Okay. And um, <laughs> James, um, James is the epitome of diversity. He was the only African-American man probably in the leadership team over there. Not when I was there, because you know, I never worked for him when they were Georgia Pacific, but he's like six foot eight. He is the most delightful speaker you will ever meet in your life. And he talks about how he became so successful. Then I had him come in and talk to the team. And what a wonderful role model for my entire team. They loved it. And uh, 
He explained how important change is and how to adapt to change. Not too long ago, the, the county manager who tours, he likes to tour um, everybody's division or department, and he said, it was my turn, so he, he came and we gave him one of James's books. And the next thing I know, he's like, Sally, um, can you invite James to come to our next leadership retreat? And we're going to want books for everybody. So this guy is fantastic. And he does a radio show, too. So highly recommend that you meet James Dallas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to be respectful of your time because I know that you're extremely busy. Any closing comments, thoughts for any young ladies out there or just people in general in your field? I would tell you that you can be anything you want to be. Always have a backup plan, um, but you can be anything you want to be. You just have to have the right attitude, and employers want people with good attitudes. And your life is not a dress rehearsal, so enjoy every day of it, because it's not going to last forever, and be respectful of your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thank you You're so welcome. much.